This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Adrian Abraham and Ryan Huang. Now, it's time for our Washington report with Nirmal Ghosh. Let's talk about the Pentagon. It says formally seeking help from commercial airlines to relocate evacuees from Afghanistan once they have gotten out of their country. Called the Civil Reserve Air Fleet Program, it involves asking for 18 aircraft from airlines, including American Airlines, Delta Airlines and United Airlines. As expected, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said this activation will unlikely have a major impact on commercial flights. According to Mr. Kirby, these aircraft will not fly into Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul, but they will be used to move passengers from way stations once they leave Kabul. The Civil Reserve Air Fleet program is a nearly 70-year-old program created in the wake of the Berlin Airlift to provide a backup by commercial air carriers for a major national defense emergency. It is the third time in history the Civil Reserve Air Fleet program has been activated, the last being during the Iraq wars in the early 1990s and early 2000s. We've got Nirmal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief, Straits Times on the line to break this down for us. Nirmal, good morning. First up, how does this speak of the magnitude of the emergency we're seeing in Afghanistan. You know, why is this operation proving a challenge for the Biden administration? And could this be a response from Joe Biden amid criticism of a messy pullout mission? Hi there. Good morning. Well, for starters, the U.S. clearly grossly underestimated the speed of the Taliban takeover, which means any plans they had for evacuations, perhaps over weeks or even months. Remember, the prediction was that Kabul would last at least a month or maybe three months. Any plans had to be telescoped into a very short time and additional resources have had to be mobilized. Among the many logistical issues is the fact that the Taliban have taken over the city So the airport is a tiny enclave guarded by U.S. and other Western troops to facilitate this evacuation amid a situation that remains very tense and dynamic. Remember, too, that the ISKP, that's the Islamic State Khorasan province, is active in Afghanistan as well. So there are multiple security concerns. Now, as for access to the airport, the Taliban have apparently given assurances that everyone who needs to to get to the airport will be allowed to. But in practice, there have been reports of people, mainly Afghans, but also some Westerners, being forced to turn back. All this is happening as the Taliban and the troops at the airport face massive crowds of frantic people trying to get into the airport. On Saturday, seven people, seven Afghans, were killed in the crush at the gates. It is literally a stampede for the exit. Including those seven, more than 20 people have been killed in this ongoing chaos. People are fearful for their lives and for the lives of their families, especially women and girls under Taliban rule. So anything they can do to get into the airport, even if just in the hope they can somehow get on a flight, they will. This in turn is building up crowds of evacuees in U.S. bases overseas. And they also have to be shifted and dispersed to other places to make the situation more manageable. And that's where the civilian air assets come in. The administration has asked for 18 planes, four from United Airlines, three each from American Airlines, Atlas Air and Delta Airlines and Omni Air, and two from Hawaiian Airlines. 
Yeah, Nirmal, I'm also going to put this your way. If U.S. intelligence was somehow able to anticipate the timing of the Taliban takeover, would the evacuation operation still be as chaotic as it is now? To some degree, yes, but not entirely. Evacuations of Afghans in particular would have sent a signal that they did not expect the government to survive, and that would have triggered a rush for the exit as well. It would have been possibly slightly more orderly in terms of more capacity being available to airlift people. But again, once panic takes hold, you can't stop the flood. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. The struggle for many U.S.-affiliated Afghans and other personnel to get on one of these coveted escape flights out of Kabul is widely reported. As we know, what's the scale of the situation right now? You know, Has it improved? What kind of alternatives could the U.S. military look at in getting those people out? Just how many people are we looking at? Well, President Biden met with his national security team on Sunday morning, that is about eight hours ago, for an operational update, and they reportedly evacuated over 7,800 people from Afghanistan over the previous day alone via around 60 flights by U.S. military aircraft, chartered planes and coalition flights. And these included American citizens and their families, special visa applicants and their families and other vulnerable Afghans. President Biden, in an update just a couple of hours ago, said about 33,000 people, all told, have been airlifted out since the operation began. Now, they have asked airlines to help move people not out of Kabul, but from third country sites like Qatar, Kuwait, Spain and so forth, designated transit centers where they are being vetted and passed through security checks. The U.S. has apparently reached agreements with about two dozen countries who are now helping or are soon going to help with this. How many people are left to be evacuated? Frankly, we don't know. It depends on the number of special immigrant visas that are issued, but the number is certainly still in the thousands. Some reports say 20,000 are already in and around the airport. And by the way, also unknown is the number of Americans still in Afghanistan. This operation could well extend beyond August 31st, which was the deadline for withdrawal of all U.S. troops. That is currently under discussion, the president just informed us. We're in conversation with Nirmal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief at the Straits Times. Nirmal, once evacuated, where would these people be sent to? Who and what determines their final destination and what would happen to them next? They are being sent to American bases around the Middle East, Bahrain, Qatar and so forth, and Kuwait and Germany. They are being held there while being processed and then they will be brought to the U.S. or to any of the two dozen countries that have reportedly agreed to take some of them in. These include Uganda, Canada, India, the UK and several European countries. It is not clear what choice evacuees have in terms of destination, but the president just said Afghans who helped the US in the war effort will be brought to the United States. Yeah, Nirmal, just before I let you go, how will the resettlement of the evacuees be seen as a political battle? You know, amid reports of new anti-immigrant sentiment from the far right, long before the fall of Kabul to the Taliban, refugee intake in the U.S. had become a volatile political issue for the Biden administration. 
Oh, yes, this is the next battle. And here in the United States, the voices are already becoming quite shrill. Right-wing personalities are haranguing television audiences, saying the Democrats want to bring in 100,000 Afghans to grow their vote banks, all that sort of thing. Given the polarized mood in the country, which everyone agrees is far from any kind of reconciliation, President Biden is already taking a beating, and this will frankly only get worse. The midterm election is only about 14 months away, and the incumbent party generally loses seats. Now, one could argue that in another year, the Afghanistan fiasco may be forgotten, but that is wishful thinking, frankly, on the part of Democrats, because Republicans are not going to allow this to be forgotten. The chances of the Democrats holding on to their slim majorities in Congress were never particularly high, but have just further diminished. And anti-immigrant sentiment will rise. Just days ago, former President Donald Trump, his campaign advisor turned Newsmax host Steve Cortez. Newsmax is a conservative and pro-Trump channel. Uh, So Steve Cortez tweeted the picture we have all seen of the C-17 aircraft full of Afghans with the sarcastic caption, raise your hand if you want this plane landing in your town. So yes, we are looking at one more point of tension and possibly rising xenophobia, certainly among conservatives. The thoughts of Nirmal Ghosh, US Bureau Chief at the Straits Times. We'll check in back with Nirmal next Monday. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.